My Money, My Lifestyle podcast, where we discuss all things money, because whether or not we like it, money matters. I'm your host, Maya Fisher-French, and today I'm joined by two guests. Firstly, I have Rory Bruckner, who is founder of Dosh Guide. You're going to be hearing more about that a little bit later, as well as financial planner, Mark Sido. Could have continued if I hadn't asked the right questions. I could have continued to the term of the product and, and continued investing you know, a significant amount of money into that product. So today we're talking about how to pay for financial advice and especially the innovation around financial planning fees. You know, for me, I've actually always struggled with the concept of commission-based fees because it doesn't necessarily align interests. You know, I've always used the analogy that if you go to your doctor and they are the ones who are going to sell you the medication, we're probably going to walk out with a much longer list of prescribed medications. So, you know, it's human nature. And, and you know, can you trust your doctor when they say you need all of these medications and especially the really expensive ones? You know, we need to know that interests are aligned. Uh, and this is something I know many of you as my followers struggle with as well, because, you know, you ask me, where am I going to find someone who's going to tell me that maybe paying off debt is the right decision rather than taking out a product? So, Rory, I want to start with you. Um, you're the founder of Dosh Guide, uh, you know, a platform that basically connects investors with fee-based financial planners. But tell me a little bit. I know you've got a really, really interesting story about why you decided to start Dosh Guide. Yeah, thanks. And it's uh, great to be here. I'm very excited to be on, on, on the podcast. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, we, we were chatting previously and, and I did sort of tell you a little bit about that story. And it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm not, I actually don't come from the sort of financial services, uh, you know, industry. I'm actually a sort of a web technology guy. Uh, I used to work at Google for, for quite a few years. Uh, and this, this sort of last year or two has been a sort of new journey and a kind of a, a new industry. Um, and the catalyst for that was really my own personal experience with, with financial advisors um, and, and my own sort of frustrations with, with dealing with financial advisors in various countries that I was living in, including South Africa. Um, and, and a lot of it is down to kind of what you, you uh, alluded to earlier around the, the sort of inherent conflict of interest of, you know, the, the example with the doctor, um, you know, selling, selling is, is the doctor incentivized to provide drugs or are they incentivized to help you uh, with your health? Um, and I think the same applies with sort of advisors. Um, and I would always bump into that as a sort of uh, as a as a consumer, you know, as somebody who was seeking out financial advice. Uh, I was always sort of um, unhappy with the fact that there seemed to be an agenda. There was somebody trying to sell me something when actually what I just wanted was financial advice. Um, and I think the, there are several of those examples, but the one that, that I think was the biggest catalyst happened in sort of 2020, where the sort of breakdown of it happened in 2020. Um, five years prior to that, um, I had uh, invested, um, I decided, I started to get sort of some, um, you know, additional income like you do in your sort of early 30s. You start to have a bit of extra money for the first time in your life. And, you, and I kind of realized um, I needed to start to, you know, do the responsible adult thing and figure out what I was going to do and how I was going to save this money for retirement. Um, and, and so what do you do? You sort of start to look for advice. And how do you do that? Um, you ask your friends, right? You're like, do you know any financial advisors? Like that's a typical way that people find financial advisors these days, right? Uh, and I did ask around. And I was referred to a very pleasant uh, Scottish man um, who, uh, who I chatted to for a while. And we, we even went for beers and he was super charming and told me how he was involved in charity work and all these kind of things. 
Um, and he basically assured me that he had the right solution for me and he effectively sold me a product um, that I invested in. I invest, ended up investing in that product for about five years. Um, and it was a big investment. It was probably, uh, aside from my like work pension fund that I was contributing to, it was the biggest, the next biggest thing that I had for saving for my retirement. And I invest in that for sort of five years um, before I started to wake up and started to ask the questions that I wish that I had been prompted to, you know, uh, before, um, which was like, you know, what are the returns on this product? And more importantly, um, you know, what are the costs? Like how much, what are the fees that you're getting um, and, and the product provider that's providing this product, which is a big international sort of product provider, what are they getting? Like, you know, what's the cuts? Um, and when I started to dig into this, you know, unfortunately it was several years after later, after I had started investing, I started to get answers that I didn't like. Um, and I'd say the biggest answer that I didn't like was the fact that the fees for, for this product were around 4%. Um, so, you know, uh, which was kind of crazy. Right. Um, and so for five years, I had been investing in this product, um, which, you know, hopefully will grow each, each, each year. But if every year they're taking sort of 4%, um, you know, how much can you actually get out at the end of the day? Um, and it came to a head uh, sort of five years later, which was in 2020, sort of uh, two, two years ago, um, where I basically got on a call with a bunch of friends who also, because we were all referred by to the same guy, and we started to chat and started to figure out, like, what are we going to do about this product? We're stuck in this product. We're supposed to go to term, which is until we're 65, which is another 30 years. Um, what are we going to do about this product that's like fleecing us on a, on a you know, monthly basis? Um, and we all came to, after many calls and many tough conversations and like possibly some tears, uh, we all came to the conclusion that actually we're going to have to surrender out of this product, take the hit, which is about a sort of 20, 25% of the value of the, the total investment that we put in. Um, and, and it would be better to take that hit now than to stay with this product for the next 30 years. Um, so the net net is, you know, I, I put a bunch of money away and five years later, I had 25% less than what I put in instead of, you know, getting any, any return. So I was actually, I wasn't just back to square one. I was back to square minus five, you know, like after five years of investing. Um, and it was that experience that really made me start to ask some questions about, you know, you know, wh why did that even happen? You know, why is somebody in good conscience you know, selling a product like this, you know, why is there even a sales process involved in products that are so consequential um, that I could have continued if I hadn't asked the right questions, I could have continued to the term of the product and, and continued investing, you know, significant amount of money into that product. So uh, it was an important lesson. It hurts. It was not, not easy for all of us involved. Um, but, you know, I think there were some great lessons that came out of that. I mean, it's actually quite a terrifying story. I mean, I just think about that 4%, you know, that every year for 60, until you're 65. And Mark, I'm going to bring you in on this. I mean, you do you see this still happening? And I mean, this was, a, was not in South Africa, this particular story, if I'm correct. But, you know, we've had a history of these products in South Africa. Fortunately, there is better regulation now. But do you still come across this where somebody is just, you know, just not aware of, of you know, the, the kind of costs that are going on behind the scenes? Yeah, my, I think it's it still happens uh, regularly in in the industry. Uh, advisors are selling products to clients, putting all the emphasis on the sale of a product as opposed to putting the emphasis on the needs of a client. 
And I think that's where the big misalignment comes in. Um, and clients are, you know, just like Rory was schmoozed over by this guy, like very convincing, took him for beers, great person. But ultimately, whose interests are, is he looking out for? Rory's interests uh, or his own? And uh, I think, you know, that's always a good question to start with. Uh, whose interests are being uh, aligned here? And I'm going to ask you that, Mark. I mean, what are you, you're a financial planner, right? You, you, you as opposed to perhaps a, a product salesperson, maybe we need to differentiate. Yeah. What, what do you think somebody should expect from a planner? How do you know that you're not being caught out by Rory's guy um, and that you're actually working with somebody who's putting your interests first? What should that engagement be like? How should it be going forward? So I think ideally you want somebody who's going to focus on you as a person. Uh, you know, what is it that you're trying to achieve uh, in your life and and how can that person help you? So they're probably asking more questions, listening a lot deeper to, to what it is that, that you want uh, and then trying to help you plot a path to get there, right? And ultimately, at the end of that path, there may or may not be a product or, or money that needs to be implemented. Uh, and only at that point do you start having a product conversation. So once you've done all the planning work, understanding where you are, where you're trying to get to, and, and if you need to implement a product to do that. You know, implementing a product is really just one way of achieving your goals. It's not the only way, um, but by shifting the focus from, from the money to, to the individual and, and to, your, to your goals that you're trying to achieve, I think that's uh, that's key to working with a, a proper financial planner. But now this is where the fee part comes in, right? That shouldn't be done for free. And I think that is what is, has happened in the industry for so many years is that the commission has made it appear as if financial advice is free. And no good advice, no good information should ever be free, you know, because what are you getting if it's for free? So it, how does one, and do you find market people are moving and becoming more and more comfortable with the idea that you actually pay for that valuable plan, um, that it's not about the product, that it is about the plan? So yes and no. Um, you know, for so long, people have been sold the concept that it's free. Right? Financial planning is free. My private bank gives me planning for free. Uh, yet, you know, if the planning is free, they're relying on the sale of a product to get paid. So, so there is going to be a misalignment uh, of, of, of interests, right? So. I may do the planning and the planning in that instance normally is a shortfall analysis so that I can sell you a product. Uh, but there is a bigger push, I think, from smarter, younger consumers to say, you know, I, I don't need the, the product part or I'm happy to do that myself. I really just need help with the planning um, and, and I'm comfortable to pay for it. And and how is that payment mechanism? And maybe Rory, this is where you've come in as as with Dosh Guide. As you've said, all right, I, there's a, a there is a need. And I, I mean, I get I have to tell you, I get this email cont continuously. They always say to me, Maya, how much do you pay for a consultation? How much can we pay you? I'm not a financial planner. I'm afraid I can't do that for you, but maybe you can contact Rory. Um, but Rory, how does one, you know, what is the pricing? How does one go around pricing for these sorts of things that, that, that meets also? Because, you know, a lot of my followers say, yeah, but I don't have that much money. And there is the sense that there's this massive cost to, to a professional's time that maybe you can't afford. So how do you go about meeting those needs? Yeah, I think like sort of the, the legacy way that, you know, a lot of the sort of uh, financial advisors have been operating is to take obviously um, money out of the product. So in other words, there has to be a product that's sold at the end of the day. Otherwise, the advisor can't earn money. And typically that's on, you know, an assets under management basis. So you give 
whatever liquid assets that you can over to the advisor and then they take like a cut they take a percentage it's typically like most of the time how they make money and i have like you know at gosh guide we have a, a sort of a problem with that because we just philosophically don't agree that the answer is always a product you know sometimes the answer is you know we need to like figure out some debt consolidation sometimes the answer is like we need to do some basic budgeting and make sure that you're spending less than you earn um you know sometimes the answer is like you know maybe you want to buy that property that you have at your eye on uh, all of the, those type of answers are really difficult for a financial advisor to give in the sort of traditional model because you know at the end of the day they have a job and they have to sell those products in order to earn a living right and so it's quite difficult and it generally doesn't happen unfortunately that they can give those sort of different sets of advice outside of like the answer being a product you know um, and I think that has sort of brought about a situation where um, the financial services industry is almost like trained consumers to be very product and investment focused, when actually there's so many other things involved in helping you to be uh, better in your finances and helping you to manage your money better. You know, um, at the end of the day, the answer is not always investments. And in fact, you know, only you probably only have the liquid assets for investments, maybe in your sort of 50s or 60s. Uh, what about when you're in your 20s, 30s and 40s, where you're just paying off debts or, or property uh, and you do still need advice, but you don't fit into the model of the traditional financial advisors because you don't have any liquid assets that they can earn money off, in which case they can't really work with you. Um, but you do have a salary, you do have an income, and you do realize like any other service that you might use, whether it's a doctor or your gym membership or your medical aid, you do realize that you know paying on a monthly basis for a service is a, a great way to get an expert on your side to help you with important stuff. And what's more important than sort of making sure your financial life is on the right track and you're making the right decisions and you have someone in your corner to, you know, in an unbiased way without selling any product to help you to, to make those decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that we operate is just like your gym membership or just like your, your medical aid, it's on a monthly basis. It's a simple monthly uh, fee that the advisor would, would pay. And it's through, you know, through our platform. Um, and we have different tiers depending on the complexity of the clients. Um, so the, the, the first tier um, is, a, is between one and a half and 3,000 Rand per month. Uh, that's sort of tier one. Tier two is between one and a half, is between three and four and a half thousand. And then tier three, which is typically for your more sort of high net worth individuals, is four and a half thousand plus. Um, and so those are the three tiers. And which of those tiers you fall into, uh, we can have a conversation about in the consultation when you when you chat to us. But it's typically related to the complexity of the client. So somebody who's like, uh, you know, a single salary family or even a dual sal uh, salary family, uh, that would typically fall into the lower tier, the one and a half to 3,000. If it gets more complicated than that, maybe there's a business involved, maybe there's some offshore stuff, maybe there's some trusts, um, then we start to go into the different tiers, into the second or the third tier. Uh, but that's something we can figure out um, when you go onto the site and book a consultation with us. And uh, how does it work if somebody, so you're saying that's, that's a monthly fee, but what if they, if, yeah. if they kind of have it all sorted out, you've pretty much given, I mean, you know, given the advice, given the information, um, how, you know, you don't need to stay for much longer. Like, are there sort of packages where you, you know, you can sort of do it over three months and then you can go and do our DIY and then come back when need be? 
it's totally yeah totally flexible so so basically like it's it's all monthly because that's the simplest way to do it but how many months you do is completely up to you you know and what you cover off uh, we always uh, we always our sort of belief is like meet the client where they are so if you come to us uh, and you want us to do an investment analysis and that's all you want that's fine and we'll figure out, like, we'll say, listen, that will probably take two or three months, chat to the advisor, let's scope this out and figure out how long this will take. If it takes two or three months, you know, you're on, you're on the hook for like two or three months, and then they will come back with your investment analysis, let's say. Uh, it might be the same for a debt consolidation. Maybe it's just budgeting you need, so you only need a month or two of help to like get a sort of a solid budget in place. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's flexible. Uh, once you've done that first piece of work, you can stop and pause, maybe resume once something else comes up. Um, but often that we, what we find is like in engaging with the advisor, the clients start to realize where and how the advisor in a very tangible way can add value beyond just the initial need that they're coming for. Uh, and ultimately what we're trying to do is, is build long-term relationships between the advisor and the clients. Uh, but that's not to say that you know, we're, we're not open to short-term engagements and sort of individual projects that people uh, arrive with. Uh, and we can work through those and then pause if necessary. Well, I can imagine maybe somebody who's, who's and generally what I, I tend to find is that somebody in their late 20s, early 30s is usually where they, the reason they're reaching out is they're like, they've made a couple of mistakes already and they haven't started investing and they maybe taken on a bit too much debt. And maybe at that time of their lives, they just need a little bit of guidance to get them back on path. And then obviously they can return once they, they kind of feel like they're ready to, to start investing and, and developing long-term relationship. So Mark, maybe you can just give me an idea of some of the, some of the, maybe share with me some of the interesting things you've come across so far. I know I've heard a few stories already from Rory, um, but just it just has been quite fascinating to me once you start drilling down those fees and showing people like how much they save by moving from kind of your assets under management to, to fee-based. Yeah, so look, it's typically I think the industry is trying to go to like this quality advice is priced at, at 1%, right? So We've made a shift away from commissions to to being paid via AUMs, which is just a, another way of not taking the client's money up front, but taking it on an annual basis. And if you price it at, say, 1%, right, 1% of a million rand versus of 10 million rand is, is very different rand value that the client is paying. And, and as the client adds more to that pot, that 1% rand value just keeps escalating. Right? So the client is paying more and more and more and they're probably receiving the same service uh, if they're receiving service at all. Um, whereas if you're paying somebody a fixed fee, whether it's monthly or annually, uh, it's it's a fixed defined fee for a defined set of work that's going to happen and you're completely in control. You know, with, with Doshkart, it's, it's like you say, there may be some work that we need to do initially. So we do that work, we, 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 we plow through a couple of months of work and if you're comfortable at that point to to step out of it and, and manage things on your own, you can switch that off, right? Whereas if you're paying an AUM fee or a trailer commission, you just keep paying that irrespective of engaging with the financial planner or not. So if you add up those fees over time, uh, it's, it's definitely in your best interest to, to pay somebody a fixed fee to do a fixed amount of work that's both transparent and, and everybody knows what, what they're doing and what they're getting. So I'm going to ask maybe a little bit of a controversial question here, and that is that, you know, advisors are listening to this are going to say, well, that's how we build our practices. We build them 
on, on assets under management, right? So we've got this annuity income coming in. I mean, Mark and Rory, how do you, you mean, Mark, Rory, it's your platform. Mark, you're actually a financial planner on the platform. Do you think that financial planners can actually make a living out of charging fees as opposed to, to assets under management? Yeah, definitely. Right. Uh, I think you've got to figure out what it is you're trying to achieve as a financial planner in your own life and your own business. So you can understand what you need to charge um, and the work that you're going to deliver importantly for that fee that you're going to get paid. Um, you know, the AUM model is just about more. It's about getting more assets, uh, making more money. And, and you know, you, you're never able to completely look after your clients holistically in the way that they that, that they should be. But by defining what it is you want from your life and the income that you need to earn, you can definitely live a a, a, a really decent life, good life off of a, a fee-based uh, practice. And I suppose yeah. at least it's all transparent um, and it's all there and and you know, I mean, because, you know, you, and I think it's such a good point. And, and this is one of the, the thing that's been raised before about assets under management as well, especially if you, when you're looking at retirement. So for example, you may have spent your whole life accumulating your assets via your company pension fund. So now maybe you've built up 5 million, 10 million rand. You now meet with a financial planner for the first time at the age of 50, 55 with this lump sum, which they are now going to start making you know, money out of uh, assets under management, even though they haven't helped you build the assets in the first place. So there's also that sort of controversial, um, I think, discussion around assets under management. Rory, do you have anything to add? <laughs> yeah, I mean, totally. I think that, um, yeah, the AUM uh, sort of, I mean, the way that we we think about like the, uh, the advisors on our platform and the advisors that we actually sort of attract to our platform, like, um, they're quite a special type of advisor because what they've done is they've rejected the sort of standard way that most advisors work, you know, in, in the sort of, in the market, right. Which is that like, I'd say 99% of advisors work on an AUM. Uh, we keep on using that sort of terminology, but assets under management basis, which is where you take a, a percentage of the assets that you manage for the client. Um, most advisors work on that basis and their business models are sort of built around that. Right. And what, what advisors like Mark, uh, like a very select few advisors that we've kind of pulled under our platform, just like Mark and others, they've basically of their own volition said, I don't want to operate like that anymore. Like, I don't believe that that's the, the way, the best way for me to operate, like, and to run my business. I believe a fairer, sort of better way for me to operate and still earn a living is for me to charge a fee, a monthly fee to my clients. Um, and the, the guys on our platform are in different stages of making that journey, right? But the fact that they've like rejected the status quo and realized there's a better way of doing it and kind of moved towards that, it like these are these are guys that I and, and ladies that I just love working with because they're sort of pushing ahead of the sort of um, ahead of the herd, right? They're going in a different direction, which the easier thing to do is just to sit and stay in the same system and just keep on earning the AUM side of things. But they're saying, no, they're rejecting that. Um, and to answer your sort of question around, like, can you earn a living as an advisor on a monthly basis? Um, what the, what our advisors are aiming at typically the sort of average is that they're aiming at having a hundred clients. So, uh, you know, if you, I know plenty of like ad advisors in the industry who work on a, on an AUM basis that have literally a thousand clients. Now, like, is it possible to do a good job with a thousand clients? You know, is it possible to do a good job with 500 clients? Like, I don't think so. I don't think you can have 
you can have the personal touch and I don't think you can understand what's happening in the lives of 500 people in order to provide good financial advice, and good, you know, direction in your sort of personal finance. But what our advisors are doing are saying, um, we want just like 100 clients, maybe it's 70 for one advisor, 50 for another, 120, but around 100 is the average. And they charge a monthly fee for that, for those 100 clients. Um, and that's it. And they make they can make a great living, especially the more experienced advisors. And just like any um, business, you know, when you're more junior, you're going to have a, a lower monthly fee. And as you get more experience and you um, and you become better at what you do, you will sort of um, start to be able to charge more and you can earn more more money. And that's just a fairer, better way um, that we really believe that we're you know building better businesses for these advisors. Mm-hmm. And I think for me also is that when you're paying directly, the advisor directly, there's no commission involved. You know that you actually have one. <laughs> because I come across so many people who say to me, I've got this investment with XYZ company or that. What should I do with it? What do you think? And I'm like, um, do you know that you are paying every month someone because you have this investment? Do you even know that? And who is that person that's receiving every single month an income from your investment? Um, and people just totally disconnected from that. So when you are physically paying it yourself, you'll, you'll obviously be very aware of that. Um, and then just a, to, to, to a final question that I do have on that is, if you implement, so Mark, if some, you come along and, and somebody says, you say, look, you, you know, retirement to to be a really good idea for you. Do you implement and then I'm assuming you take no commission or no fees from that? How, how do you and how do you decide which platforms to work with? Because that's the other big cost, of course, is that not all platforms are priced the same. Yeah, Mike, so that's a it's a really good point. So when it gets down to implementation stage, uh, it's it's up to the client. If they want to implement, they can do it themselves. We'll give them the advice and they can go ahead and do it or we'll do it for them. Uh, and we don't charge any commissions or AUM fees, right? So, so that's like a blanket approach. And then it comes down to platform, right? And it's for us, it's really who's going to be able to to provide the service for the, the cheapest possible cost, right? There's no conflict. I don't uh, really get involved with, I don't care who's going to administer the platform, right? There's no, it's not in my best interest, it's in the client's best interest. So who can do it the most effectively for the cheapest price, but importantly, that the return assumption aligns with what the client is trying to achieve. You know, so there you can make use of ETFs, you can make use of unit trust funds. It's just, you know, it's a horrible term, but cheap and nasty, right? So get the job done at the lowest cost possible that's going to benefit the client uh, in the long run. So maybe we should use the use the word uh, cost effective, not cheap and nasty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, don't, I don't think when it comes to our money, cheap and nasty is probably the word we want to be using. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it has been amazing when I look at platforms and I mean, I've seen platforms that can come in at 0.25% and other platforms that are coming in over 1%. And I'm like, how do you, yeah. and, and you know, my followers are the best, the best sources of this information because they send these quotes to me and they say, what do you think of this? And I'm like, hold on a second. Hmm. By the time you finish, you're paying two and a half percent. By the time you're paying for the device, the platform and the product and on that platform, you're paying like two and a half percent. Do you know what your return has to be to, to justify this? And I think those are the conversations that, that really, and that's where I hit hard back at, at the financial industry as well. And I, I find that they're, they're so weird because they have, especially your life insurance companies, they tend to have two platforms. They have the really expensive one. And then when you question them about it, they say, oh, no, no, but we've got our really inexpensive one as well. And I'm like, well, why are your advisors not only using your inexpensive one? So I think this is, to me, it, it, it frustrates me 
that people have to question the financial industry all the time to keep them on the straight and narrow. Um, and, and I think this at the end of the day is, you know, I think a model where you're paying somebody for your best, um, for their best advice, you know, with no conflict, uh, looking out for you, making sure you've got the right platforms. Um, somebody you can pick up the phone to when you're making financial decisions or choices like, do I buy my son this car or not? Can I afford it? <laughs> That's the sort of question I think you, as a financial planner you, you can be filling. So I think it's very, very exciting. And, um, and I've been very excited to share this podcast with my, my followers and all of those people who keep asking me where they can get financial um, consultations. Well, here we go. You can chat to Dosh Guide at, what is it? Doshguide.co. .co, yeah. No, no ZA, just, uh, just .co. But if you, if you, you know, if you Google Dosh Guide, D-O-S-H-G-U-I-D, you'll, you'll find us. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, you know, that, to that last point, I mean, I think it's, it's just, it's really interesting that, um, uh, you know, the way this sort of advisors work. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, it, this is a, a, a improved way of working, you know, uh, in terms of like, you know, charging what's fair um, and, and it sort of makes sense to us. So we're excited to be able to help people on this financial journey. Great. Well, thanks both to, to both Rory and to Mark. And uh, to all of those of you listening, uh, remember, if you want more of these fantastic podcasts, please press the subscribe button and also engage. Tell me what you think. Tell me, uh, test out Josh Guide or share your horror stories with me. I'm always um, actively fascinated by, by, by the people's experiences out there. That's what keeps me informed as well. So thank you to all of you.